Adventures in Teaching. Stories of creativity, relationships, excitement, and suspense from the university and K-12 classroom. Brought to you by KELT, the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at Thompson Rivers University. Teaching is an adventure in any classroom, but it's a special adventure when that classroom happens to be a theater, and especially so if that theater has an audience in it. This episode of Adventures in Teaching is a conversation with two teachers whose classrooms happen to be the stage. Here is Adventures in Theater. Welcome to Adventures in Teaching. We have two teacher artists with us at this time. We're talking with Stephen Saka, who is the Artistic Director of Performing Arts Westside at Westside Secondary School in Kamloops. And we have Wesley Eccleston, who is a Senior Lecturer in Theatre in the Department of Visual and Performing Arts at TRU. Welcome to the both of you. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. So maybe we can just start off with a couple of softball questions like, how did you start teaching what what did you start teaching how did you get into teaching theater in the first place you want to start Wes no I insist you go first oh, okay good uh, after I got my degree in performing arts and animal biology which is the perfect combination for any artist uh, I started working for Western Canada theater and doing some shows and then realized that the paychecks weren't coming through to have a you know proper mortgage in real life so I decided to go into the teaching field and I went to SFU and uh, got my teaching certificate and started teaching right out of, out of the way. So that's how I started. Late, late in life compared to most teachers nowadays. I started when I was like mid-30s for teaching. And you started at Westside. So you, you're the same place where you started. Absolutely not. No, uh, I, I, my first teaching experience was would be in, in uh, Matanzas, Cuba. I went and did an uh, international practicum there after my university and... Uh, we went there and taught fine arts in, the, in, a, in a fine arts school that was designed just for that province. So every province in Cuba has their little fine arts school, and we went to Matanzas, and, and they only spoke Spanish there, which is the weirdest thing because none of us spoke Spanish, but one of us was able to speak French. And it just happens that there was a, a Quebec band teacher was there, so he would translate our English into French and then French into Spanish and Spanish back to French and then French back to English. So that's how we sort of communicated with everyone. Yeah, that's how we started there. And then I went to uh, TRU and started teaching at TRU for a semester and a half. Um, was got recruited out of university for that. And then after that, I went through the school district system and uh, ended up at Westside, which was where I went to high school. Yeah. That's yeah, so where I started. And Wesley, you, you too went to Westside. And, you know, full disclosure here, both Wesley and Stephen went to Westside Secondary when I was teaching music there. And we were all involved in the performing arts department. So we all, it's not full like Full disclosure, this, yes. Full disclosure. <laughs> it's like we don't know each other ever. I've never met can you Can we before. talk about that later, though? Yeah. Can we reminisce a little bit? Or we, yeah, we yeah. can do that. Yeah. But let's, let's talk about your biographical history, Wesley. Well, I was born and raised in Kamloops. Um, I've spent most of my life here. I went away, I went away to school. Briefly, but I landed back here, um, yeah, and I've been teaching permanently. As per an email I got yesterday, 20 years at this university. So it's hard to believe it's been 20 years here, but um, my first teaching gig was at graduate school 
as a teaching assistant, but there was no assistant assisting happening whatsoever. It was all teaching, and, and I had a research assistantship, so I taught a play analysis course, and I was teaching it like straight from the book. It was horrible. I look back, it was terrible. Um, I think I was. I don't know. I don't know what the evals were at that time. Anyway, uh, and then I came back to Kamloops while I was still doing some of my coursework. I hadn't completed my thesis because I was busy with our fledgling independent company here in town, Three right. Minutes In. And uh, so I was working with that, and uh, I got I got lucky. I, I taught a session or two. It was like a month long or something at JP through the Art Smart Provincial uh, Program. It's Art Start or Art Smart? Art Starts. Art Starts. Yeah. Yeah, that was that artist in residence program. Yeah, so I did some scene studies with them, and then I did Commedia dell'arte too. I didn't, I wasn't too sure what I was doing, but it worked out. And uh, finished the thesis. I was still in town, and they needed somebody to teach a session, a section up here of first year acting. And David Edwards, who was the founder of the program, um, found me or asked me, and I said sure. And taught a few more classes over the years and eventually stuck around and I've been here ever since for 20 years yeah so in the fall of 99 yeah and and well I mean yeah so it's been 20 years uh just over 20 years I guess I taught yeah 99 as a TA yeah well just remember if that makes you feel old it makes me feel a lot older (laughs) 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 yeah but it's been a good 20 years Wes really yeah. You've, you've accomplished a lot. You've moved a lot of actors through the program, and you've built up to what it's it's what it was when we were here to what it is now. And it's, that's that's a lot of you. That's a lot of you. So, do you feed students? I try to. Yeah. Oh yeah, I try to for yeah. sure. It's it's um, I I really promote this this program because it's something that I went to and uh, Wes and I talk and and kids who are really geared to staying in town and wanting to continue acting, I, I move them to this educational facility because it is it's something that we both come from. We come from an educational background of theatre, not just going out and, and trying it and making a living. We actually study it. So I do try to send um, kids who are in there, and we've had some good kids come through. Fantastic students come yeah. through. I'd, I'd like to think that good students came through, to you know, some credit to yourself, John, and that they continue to do because of the strong leadership that the, that's still going on there. So let's talk about some of your teaching experiences. I don't know if you've got any cool stories to tell from that that uh, Cuba situation, Stephen. But I mean, but even in your own classes, I mean, things can go totally crazy, and uh, especially in, a, in our fields because in a theater class. I know, like well, Wes and I, we don't teach with desks, we don't teach with textbooks, right? We're on our feet all the time, and for some students, it's it's difficult to, to concept to grasp. So it's 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 always chaotic, and we have teachers peeking in through the door about uh, what's going on in this classroom. They are. Um, they're lost. Like, how do you? They go, how do you teach that way? I go, how do you not teach this way? Right? How do you not get them on their feet and actually doing stuff? And they don't want to sit down. They want to get up and experience it. Um, that keeps it very exciting for us too. I think, it, I think you know, at my core, I'm I'm a, a performer, yeah. and and you are too. Yeah. And and um, I don't think I could. I would be interested in education if I was behind the desk most of the time we mask education with 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 exciting lessons and and making yeah. it fun for ourselves and and they're still learning but they don't think that they're learning they don't feel that they're learning but they really are yeah yeah i'm i am incredibly proud of my some of my students work over the year in class um and almost felt like 
because in the upper levels we videotaped these students doing their scenes and, and felt like this work that these students did on this particular script is worth seeing by the public like this is really good because they latched onto the material or we spent a little bit lot more longer on it or I got to be able to be part of that process a little bit more but they've done phenomenal work uh but the stakes you're right the stakes aren't quite as high you don't prepare them and so I'm really happy when that happens when that material comes out of the classroom but the stakes are always higher when you have a responsibility to an audience that is paying good money to 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 be taken on this Either adventure or just or spending their time with you I, even their time paying yeah you that time that they took that's right to sit with their you money and time like they're they want to create they're not, as i always tell my students the, the audience contrary to like i don't know talent shows or whatever early phases where they eliminate people because they're horrible the audience is there because they want to be there they want to create belief with you we're not sitting here even as the class or as an audience going i don't want to enjoy this I want to waste my time and I want to waste my money on seeing this. Everybody wants you to succeed. And so when you're, my prep for a show is obviously, I'm more concerned, I'm probably a little bit, uh, you know, I have less time for uh, students not getting their work done or being off book at a certain point or forgetting their blocking or whatever. You can sort of, you catch that stuff in scene work because they just didn't really, life got busy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You got a bigger show, it's for the audience. Obviously, the stakes are higher. So I think there's a... Because that audience is coming and you have a responsibility to them, it is high. It is greater than the responsibility to the rest of the class in some way. But in some way, you're letting yourself down if you don't always want to give your all to like a paying audience. Yeah, I you agree. Know, like you should prepare like people are paying to see your scene. So that is So that is part of like the adventure of teaching theater is the adventure of doing theater. Like with, as a class with your students, with the audience. For me, yeah, it's a, it's a performance based uh, uh, um, subject. So if you're gonna be ta- if you're taking our classes or my class for sure, you're gonna perform in front of someone. That's something you have to do. Yeah. Whether it's in front of just the classroom or an invited audience or a paid audience, you you're going to have to do that because eventually they're gonna have to do that in the real life, whether it's on stage or in at a wedding or at a funeral or just at an interview. They're they're gonna have to speak in front of someone. A lot of them just at least nowadays in the generation that I'm teaching, they do not know how to speak in front of people. So it's it's an important skill that I try to teach them in communication and, and even though they hate doing it and they're scared out of their minds. I push them just over that that line that they draw that they think they can't cross because I know they can do it because it's so important in the world that they have to do it. Yeah. 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 Focus. Like I do have to do this every day myself when something important is coming up and yeah. Getting them to channel their focus uh, on something you know and make believe and and get back to the way they used to before they were told that that they you weren't allowed be, to put that cape were, on and, and yeah. take the little wooden spoon and run in the backyard. Go back there. It's okay. Yeah. And just try to dwell there and see what happens. It's it's fascinating when they... When they're when, allowed to play. Yeah. Yeah. And when they have their own ideas too. Like that is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Either If it's between rehearsal nights or even between like preliminary passes through a scene, the the time between... The, 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 the work they put into developing the character to the, where they are are triggered, they're triggered and moved inside themselves, and they bring that to bear. Is, and and it feels like I didn't even ask for that, or I didn't direct you towards that, but you just brought that out from somewhere, and you get it. That's one of the most 
that's one of the most special moments in the rehearsal hall for me. Um, I'm probably getting a little off topic, but no, 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 no. It's incredibly inspiring when those moments happen, and that's that's that reminds me of when I got certain things in a show too. And so, yeah, you're you're always creating the adventure of theater, but it's really about you know I wanted I want to do that forever. I want to continue to live in that that moment like through them, like an audience does, like the director, right? You sit there and it's it's you. It's 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 you're connected with them. I want to do that over and over again. And when they get it, when they actually finally do it and they get that fear over, and you realize that there's like little that snap. They, yeah. they see it and they go, oh, this yeah. is what it's like. This is, this what, it is, is. what it feels like. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever yeah. felt in my life. And they get you to do it again and again. So you see that, just that shell break and they finally come alive. And that's, for me, is the biggest thing. Yeah. The kid who could, couldn't think they could ever do it with their high anxiety or just they're crying before they go on. Yeah. They go on and they kill it. And you're like, oh my God, see, sweetie, that's how it works. Yes, they get it. Yeah, that's yeah. super inspiring. So any funny stories that you, you can think of from the past, they are shared history at, Westside, our shared history. Yes, West has more hair now than I've ever seen him since uh, the time that he cut his hair when he wasn't <laughs> supposed to when he went on a ski trip for Jesus Christ Superstar, and Daryl Chow nearly flipped. He went just nearly flipped his lid because you came back totally bald. Mm-hmm. Now you're full head of hair, full beard. But you know what? It's totally suited your character. Then it totally suited your character. It, it actually totally it totally did. Yeah, uh, you know he, what? I was actually not going to try and raise that one because that's a story I always tell. But yeah, oh, it's, it was, a, it's the best story. It oh, is. Yeah. It is. It actually, it did suit the character perfectly. Mm-hmm. Oh, did. but he was mad because again, the rule that's and yeah. the same rule that I apply. Like if you're in my show, you do not touch your hair. You don't oh, don't yeah. touch anything until I say what I want, right? But no, they still. I mean, yeah, yeah. I well, I I I relive that story whenever I, I think of when my hair was really short, and that was the. That was the moment. There's a whole, you know, there is a story behind there. It's not related to anything here, but <laughs> it it worked out. I yeah, and and Daryl Chow, one of my, you know, looked up to that guy who taught me a heck of a lot. He he uh, yeah, he hit the roof. Uh, he put his foot down as he should have, and it was over with. And we moved on. You know, after that, he yeah. let me know that you know it was irresponsible, and these are the reasons why. He's a really effective educator. Um, I I understood, and I. And uh, yeah, I think the show was went very well. Yeah. And maybe he would have decided, or you would have decided to shave my head anyway. But <laughs> it could have been. Could it wasn't been. purposeful. I learned a lot from him too, actually, as a colleague. Uh, just learned a lot. I remember when he retired, I did a whole thing about his his commandments, you know, Daryl's commandments, mm-hmm. just sort of like the a Cecil B. DeMille film kind of thing. But I mean, one of the things he always he always insisted for us as colleagues is that we never apologize for our performance. You never apologize. You, you, you go out there to do the best you possibly can. And the audience doesn't care whether you've had not enough sleep or whether you're feeling a little under the weather or whatever, there might be nice people, but at, when they're in, or you're on stage, they don't care. Your job is to put on a professional performance. And I know he, I, I, I still live by that in terms of my own professional performance. But I mean, I think I think he communicated. Yeah, that and to that's why I, I relate that to my students too, right? The audience does not care, right? They're paying. They're sitting there to see you. They don't care what your show was yet like yesterday. They don't care what your show is going to be like tomorrow. They don't care if you were too tired or if you messed a lineup yesterday. Yeah, it's it's important that you you give the best you possibly can every single time. Just speaking from a, like a directorial perspective, and it's I think it piggybacks on what I said earlier about you know when a student surprises you or an actor surprises you with something subtle. As you're directing a show, you get to know that production really well. And whenever there's something different or a student or an actor is challenged in a way that they couldn't have possibly imagined, uh, to watch that actor 
um, improvise or make sense of it under the pressure, the incredible pressure that they are under while being watched by this audience is some of the most magical, some of the most magical moments. I, I still, I still believe like, I think I do most, most theater for the rehearsal process. An audience has to come and I'm, I'm, we're doing the work for them, but it's really that six weeks of rehearsal beforehand that I most like I think I get the most out of these. Well, I don't even watch my shows when they're on. When yeah. the audience I don't I that's right, it's the process. It's it's watching get ready to go and then after that I walk away because I yeah. I don't want to watch Yeah. what the audience is going to like. So it's I I, so, I can't. Yeah, like you're focused on the product, getting yeah. it ready, being the eye of the ears for the audience, but it's that rehearsal process, like mm-hmm. getting together with those people over and over and and working towards this common vision that they're trusting me or they you know us and they want to believe they're trying, or sometimes you got to motivate them. Anyway, you get to know that show really well, um, and when you see them challenged by something, or it, they have to deviate from the script for some reason, those are the when those moments happen, and they're totally unexpected because you know the show so well, you know what the differences are. Uh, I love those moments, mm-hmm. and those tend to happen almost every show. If you're paying attention, Stephen, <laughs> it doesn't happen on Thursday nights. That's what when Thursdays, Thursdays are the are the scary nights. Yeah, Thursday when when a gremlin happens. I remember one yeah. time it, we we did Godspell at Westside, mm-hmm. and there was this one scene of the actually it was the Last Supper, and uh, the band in the, that I was leading we we kind of drifted off and weren't really paying attention, and so the drummer heard a line from one of the cast members thought that was the cue line for the piano. So he said, that's a cue, that's a cue. Mm-hmm. So the piano player just automatically started playing the next song, but that wasn't the right line. Um, so this music starts out of the middle of nowhere in the wrong place in the scene. So the the cast sang a chorus of it, and then we kind of faded off, and then they played out the rest of the scene, and we did the, the, the song at the appropriate time. I don't think anybody in the audience noticed but I mean, everyone on stage is like going. Ah! But that's right. As a group, you look at each other's eyes and trust one another, and hopefully, with the training you have in the background, you just make it work. And then, all right, let's go back to where we were. It's final line that goes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I directed a farce ten years ago where one of the doors just plain fell down. <laughs> right, it didn't hit anybody, and this was like a small, like, um, sort of episodic. It was about a guy, you know. Anyway. They're all about guys or gals or whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, the door fell down right in the middle of the scene, sort of split these two actors, and the space was only like 15 by 15 kind of thing. And they just sort of looked at it and looked up. And the audience laughed and laughed. That door was not supposed to fall down. Uh, and they got a great laugh, and they dealt mm-hmm. with it. That A moment like that, where it's, it's totally unexpected. I had an actor on opening night not show up to his, uh, well, I had a, a, a tap on my shoulder of opening night for like five minutes before an actor was supposed to go out in the first act. And it's my ASM saying, your actor's vomiting in the in the hallway. They're not going to be out. And this is a packed house on opening night, my opening night. And uh, I scurried down there and there's nobody like to, to step in. And this guy, this guy, this guy's on stage the whole show, basically. And people come in and out of it. It's called After the Fall by Arthur Miller. Uh, mostly based on the life of uh, Arthur Miller's exchange, uh, life with uh, Marilyn Monroe. Anyway, uh, the actor couldn't come out, so I went backstage and I thought, oh, this will be brilliant. What am I going to do? I can't get anybody. Like, what am I supposed to do? And people are bustling about. This is like 12 person cast, but it's people coming in and out of doors and they've already been seen. I haven't been seen. This guy has like one scene oh. and he's sick. So I grab 
his prop and I grab his hat and I and I you know we've been rehearsing this show for six weeks or whatever so but it's pretty wordy there, Arthur Miller likes text you know there's plenty of it there and it's great stuff obviously it's super rich but I didn't know this kid's line I didn't know his lines and uh, so I grabbed his, uh, his hat that he had and I grabbed his script and I thought when they see me they, I think they'll understand what it happened. Or they won't understand what it happened, but they may understand later. They'll think it's weird. But this show's going to, like, this is not the opening night we had hoped for, obviously. And So I, I went to the entrance, um, my entrance, and it was sort of center stage. And uh, I hesitated on when I was supposed to come out. I knew the cue. I knew when he was leading up to it. And I hesitated. I didn't want to go out. This is my, these are my people. Like these are, I was so scared. Uh, and here I am, but I'm the director. Like this should be no problem. It's, I should be like, yeah, I'm gonna save the show. You know, or no problem. Be the be the leader, the calm leader. And I hesitated, and in that hesitation, he started improvising, and he ended up. And I still remember this moment right now. He, I listened to him for a minute and a half, abbreviate this five minute exchange with the character I was going to be substituting for. He improvised this minute and a half monologue of this exchange he had with my character that I was about to play. And I just listened to him do this from within the set cuz and and I and I realized the pa- the the talent of this kid and 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 hopefully I and I was sort of overcome in in inside there too thinking like we've all prepared this to the point where even if this stuff sort of happens, we're ready to go. Even if I wasn't, if I was hesitant, even if I hesitated, maybe I was supposed to be hesitating here because this this kid can carry it off. He knows what he's supposed to do. Anyway, he improvised it. He hit all the exchanges, uh, you know, in a very natural way. He does a lot of monologuing throughout the piece anyway. And after the show, nobody knew. I, I talked to people uh, that uh, were at the show, and they, you know, they hadn't noticed. Uh, and I, so I was relieved this show was, you know, I think it was a solid show and he was such a, uh, he'd, he'd been rewarded by it, by the experience. And he'd, he'd sunk his teeth really into this role. And I was impressed, so impressed by that. And I, so if I ever feel like I want to, these days, if I ever feel like a student can't improvise their way out of even a situation like that, well, we can't warn them that this, that the actor isn't going to come on, that we can prepare a student to get to that point where they can fly without that kind of direction or that assistance or it's all hitting the fan but you got to do something you got to make something out of it uh then i guess we, we've all taken the right steps in in you know in in making that that kid a better actor and, and hopefully a better person too or just to finish or just to finish or show must go on right that's the the old adage and he did yeah it. yeah yeah that's it's powerful yeah i mean there's a reason that's an adage right because there's all of those stories that ha- just you just have to go on with like the show has to go on and that's and he knew that and he could do it that's anyway. gr- that's a great way to finish our intri- our conversation thank you very much for that, that. so Good. thanks to Stephen Saka director of performing arts westside and Wesley Eccleston who's a, a senior lecturer at the theater department at TRU thanks a lot thanks thank you Baby, baby, baby.
Sharing a passion for arts and the theater is a gift that teachers give to students. But that gift is returned when the teachers get to see the students carry the show themselves, as well as carrying the skills and passion for theater into the rest of their lives. The opinions in this podcast are those of the individuals and not the university. The music used in this podcast was used under fair dealing and is The Show Must Go On by Queen from the Innuendo album. This has been Adventures in Teaching. Brought to you by CELT, the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at Thompson Rivers University.